0: How do you view the cross? We just sung several songs about it. When you think about the cross, when when what's your perspective of it? Some see the cross as simply a piece of jewelry. It could be a necklace or a ring or a brooch or whatever, or earrings. Just a piece of jewelry. It has no connection with their life whatsoever. Just something they happen to like. Now other people see it as a decoration in their house. Something in their yard, something hanging on the wall, it makes no difference because it's just a decoration. Some people see the cross as a design in their their clothing. You see it printed in, into the material at times, and it just it looks nice. So that's what it means to you. The Bible points out seven different ways, perspectives of the cross. We're going to look at them quickly. Paul said in Galatians, the sixth chapter, and verse 14, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says, it's the only thing I brag about, that I have a relationship to the cross. It's the only thing that, that I boast about. The only thing I glory in, the King James puts it. How do you look at the cross? Well, to Judas, when he looked at the cross, he saw silver. He saw money. And you know, that group has never left the church. There are folks that look around for the biggest church, the one that's got the most money, and that's where they attend because they want to sell something. They want to to become uh, more successful in, in their business. We're told in John the, the 12th chapter that Judas was nothing but a thief. Isn't that terrible to think about? He spent all that time at Jesus' feet, and he was a thief. John the 12th chapter Starting with verse four, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now listen to how John describes who this Judas is. It's not that he cared for the poor, but, the, and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it can you imagine somebody much lower than someone who would steal from the poor box the box that was money that was given to help the poor but he sinks even lower than that he does something even worse than that this Judas in Matthew the 26th chapter in verse number 15 we find him as he's negotiating with the chief priest and The Pharisees, and he asked them, what will you give me for him? Speaking about Jesus. If I sell him to you, how much will you pay me? If I set him up so that he hangs on that cross, what, what will you give me? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. That was Judas. He saw the cross as a way to make money. Because he was a thief. And he was a traitor. To the Son of God now to the Pharisees it's a whole different ball game there's a whole different motivation when they look at the cross and they think about it you see in Matthew the 22nd chapter we find the uh, Pharisees as they try to trick Jesus they try to deceive him and that didn't work too well for them Starting in verse number 15, it says, The Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. They sent to him disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you're true, and you teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care for anyone, for you do not regard the person the men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They weren't looking for information. They were looking to get him in trouble with the authorities. They were looking for, for the opportunity to run to the Romans and say, Hey, he's saying we don't have to pay taxes. And the Romans would have captured him. But Jesus perceived their wickedness, it says in verse 18. And he said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? They were hypocritical because they came praising him and complimenting him and telling him how wise they thought he was when all they were doing, He said, you show me the tax money. They brought him a denarius, and he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God." So the Pharisees tried to silence him by using someone else, by tricking him, by setting him up and asking him questions. didn't work. But by the time we get to the 26th chapter of Matthew, they had decided on another method. They decided on another way to handle him verse 3 of Matthew 26 the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him but they said not during the feast lest there be an uproar among the people they were political people who were trying to do it the quietest way the the simplest way so to the Pharisees what the cross meant was silence stop this man from teaching he's taking too many of our disciples away he's taking too much of our money away he's taking too much of our influence away we have to silence him so they decided to kill him but that didn't work real well for them for well, you see, we're told in Acts the second chapter, 32 and, and 33, he arose again. And by the time you get over to the, uh, 17th chapter in verse number 6, Jesus' disciples were described as those that turned the world upside down. Silence didn't work. But that was their motivation stop him, silence him. Now Pilate was another whole deal. Pilate, you see, was the governor. He was the Roman. He was the one that had the ultimate authority. And the cross to him was self-preservation. He was a man who who had a very weak backbone, Had, had no confidence, no courage in himself, no desire to do the things that are right, if you'll turn to Matthew, the 27th chapter, I'm going to be looking at verse 23 to start with. And the governor, Pilate, is he done talking about Jesus? And they cried out all the more saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw it could not prevail at all, but rather a tumult was rising, he took water and he washed his hands before the multitude and you know what he said he said I'm innocent of the blood of this just person you see to it I'm not going to stand up for what's right I'm not going to do what I should do I'm not even going to uphold Roman law but I'm going to preserve myself and preserve my governorship preserve myself in such a way that I'll remain after he's gone go over to the book of John and John puts it even plainer in the 19th chapter and I'm going to be looking at verse 12 and following 19:12 said from then on Pilate sought to release him but the Jews cried out saying if you let this man go you're not Caesar's friend whoever makes him a king speaks against Caesar Pilate therefore heard this saying he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that's called the pavement but in Hebrew it's Galbatha. and now it was the preparation day and about the sixth hour he said the day of Passover about the sixth hour he said to the Jews behold your king and they said away with him away with him crucify him Pilate said shall I crucify your king do you see him trying to weasel out of this and being able to blame it on the Jews all the way through the chief priest answered we have no king but Caesar and he delivered them to them to be crucified knowing he was a just man so the cross in Pilate's mind was simply self-preservation what's best for me what's the safest thing for me what's the political thing for me What's the way that I can preserve my position and the Roman government? So an innocent man has to die. So a just man has to die. Willing to s- sacrifice Jesus to save himself. Do you think about that as we apply it to ourselves? And our, Are we sometimes in a position where People curse Christ. People do things, say things, speak up for him. If I defend him, I'm going to offend them. And then I lose my place. Are we any different? We look at Pilate and we say, what an awful man. What a weak, need, just pitiful excuse. And then do the same thing. We need to be careful how we think about things like that. We need to be careful about what we do. So we've got the cross is just silver to Judas. The the cross is silence to the Pharisees. He's self-preservation to Pilate. When you think about the Roman soldiers, he was nothing but sport to them. They didn't see him as anyone special whatsoever they didn't see him as anything to be admired in John the 19th chapter verses 2 and 3 we find a very plain statement that they took him and put a a crown of thorns upon his head and put him in in a purple robe and then they said hail the king of the Jews and struck him with their fist can't you just see them doing that laughing mocking he was something to make fun of he was something for bullies to push around someone for people that that saw themselves as being more important, more powerful stronger, able to push people around and they made fun of him they mocked him, they laughed at him as the blood ran down his face from the thorns as as they left their fingerprints on his face as they struck him with their hands how awful it is to think that to the Roman soldiers he was nothing but sport he was nothing but fun it was all a big game as a matter of fact when you get over to the 25th chapter of Matthew verse 36 you find that they're gambling for his clothes That's how much he meant to them. That's how much that cross meant to them. It was something to have fun with. Nothing of importance whatsoever. So we've looked at two cases of the Jews and not two cases of the Romans. Let's change perspectives a little bit and let's look from heaven the father perceived the cross it was god's demonstration of his love you see jesus died for us look in first peter the second chapter and almost start verse 21 christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps he who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth and who when he was reviled did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten he committed himself to him who judges righteously who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sin might live for righteousness by Stripes your heel. Did you see where it said he committed himself, that's Christ, to God, the one who judges righteously. To God, the cross was all about substitution. You and I don't have to suffer the pangs of being separated from God. We don't have to separate to to die spiritually because Jesus died for us he died to replace us if you'll turn to the book of Isaiah 53rd chapter probably my favorite passage of of scripture in in all the Bible 53 and I'm going to in this case start in verse 5 He was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed we're all like sheep gone astray we've turned everyone to his own way now listen close and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He died for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. So to Jesus, I mean for, to God, the, the cross was all about substitution. Was all about someone taking the place of someone else his son taking our place on that horrible way to die now to Jesus I think that he looked at the cross in in, in a little different way if you'd like to turn with me to Matthew 26 I'm going to be looking at verse number 39 didn't have to go to the cross he didn't have to die said in verse 39 he went a little farther and he fell on his face and prayed saying oh father if it's possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not as I will but as you will If there's any other way, Father, to pay for the sins of mankind, any other way, can't you find it? But if there's not, then I'm willing. I'm willing. And just in case you think he had no choice, look over in verse 53 of this same chapter. He's going to tell them, very plainly, do you not think that I cannot now pray to my father and he'll provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? There were 12 legions of Roman soldiers in the whole country. And we're talking 12 legions of angels. Now, how do you suppose that war would have gone? One angel against one Roman soldier? There would have been no doubt. Twelve to about three? Huh. No. Jesus said, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this. But I am doing it to submit myself. I'm doing it because that's what it takes to pay the price for our sins in Philippians the second chapter starting with verse number 8 we find Paul as he writes to this church and he tells them that Jesus being found in the appearance as a man he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross he humbled himself. The one that could have called down legions of angels humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Do you catch that? He was willing to die. There's ways of dying, and then there's ways of dying. I mean, it could have been a Roman soldier who just ran at him with a sword, took his head off, like these ISIS guys do over there. And so. But he says, to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, verse 9, Philippians 2, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what the cross meant to Jesus. Submission. Humility. A willingness to die. For others. Now what should it mean to us? What should the cross mean to you and I? I think when we think about the cross, we better be thinking about salvation. Salvation. We better be thinking about the fact that Jesus died for us. Look in Matthew, the 26th chapter. And I'm going to start with verse 28. He's establishing the Lord's Supper. And listen to what he says. He took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. For this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. There's no way I could pay for all the sin that's been in my life. All the sin that will probably be in my life, however long that may be, there's no way to pay for that. It's, it's a cost beyond belief. But Jesus shed his blood for many for the remission of sins. For the forgiveness of sins. That's what Jesus said the cross meant to Christians. His blood was shed on that cross so that we might have the forgiveness of sins. We need to look at it that way and we need to think about it that way and we need to be grateful for it that way and in 1 Peter we can see that the first century church did exactly that chapter 1 and verse 18 Peter wrote knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things it it wasn't gold and silver what's he talking He says from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your father. From your useless life before you became a Christian. Whether it was pursuing money or pleasure or what it was an aimless life. You're going nowhere and going there fast. That aimless life is what we are redeemed from. And it was, verse 19, with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith are in God. That's what the first century church preached we've already looked at what Jesus said what should we say because in this lesson with a very sobering thought it's found in the book of Revelation the third chapter starting with verse number 11 behold Jesus said I am coming quickly he's coming again And he said, you hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more, and I'll write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven from my God, and I'll write on him my new name. You has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. We need to know he's coming quickly. Oh, quickly. What's that mean? I tell folks all the time when Sandy will call me or, or somebody will call me and, you know, it takes me a while to get up out of the chair and then I, I, I move rather slowly. And, and my joke is, can't you tell I'm running at full speed? And I'm just kind of hobbling across the floor that's fast as it goes that, that, that's quickly quickly is a, is, a, is a relative term John says he's coming quickly are you ready for him to come tonight are you ready for him to come quickly You said do the things that you have hold fast the cross that Paul said that's the only thing I glory in is your grip slipping are you losing that fastness that you told to hold on with if you need to come tonight please won't you do it won't you do it now